does not ask me for anything but the opportunity to engage in devotional service. Purport. When the demigods finished offering their prayers, they anxiously waited for their enemy, Vritrasura, to be killed. This means that the demigods are not pure devotees. Although without difficulty one can get anything he desires if the Lord is pleased, the demigods aspire for material profit by pleasing the Lord. The Lord wanted the demigods to pray for unalloyed devotional service. The Lord wanted the demigods to pray for unalloyed devotional service, but instead they prayed for an opportunity to kill their enemy. This is the difference between a pure devotee and a devotee on a material platform. Indirectly, the Lord regretted that the demigods did not ask for pure devotional service. ಮಜ್ಞಾತ್ಮಿರಂದಸ್ಯಕ್ಯನಾಂಜನಶಲಾಕಯಚಕ್ಷುರುಮಿಲಿತಮೇನ ಸಾಧಯಿತಾಮಿತಾಮಿತಾಮಿತಾಮಿತಾಮಿತಾಮಿತಾಮಿತಾಮಿತಾಮಿತಾಮಿತಾಮಿತಾಮಿತಾಮ
that means if the devotion is still mixed, then it's not in the pure platform. However, the advantage of the demigods is that they are taking the darshan of the Lord. Because He is supremely pure, He is going to purify them and He is purifying them as He is speaking, as He is glancing, as He is instructing them, as He is going to chastise them. And finally, He is also going to tell them the matter by which they can obtain the result, which is killing of Vritrasura. Although the Lord does give a hint <coughs> that He is my devotee, He will not harm you. So understanding that the demigods could have changed their mind, but it did not happen, as we know how the past time unfolds. These are some of the hints which is indirectly given and direct chastisement is also there uh, by the Lord. This Durapam is that word which the Lord also uses when He is blessing Guru Maharaj. Uh, you are asking for something which is very difficult, which is much higher than the platform of Lord Brahma, a planet <coughs> superior to that. It's very difficult to obtain, but because you have pleased me, I'm going to offer that to you. But in the act of offering that to the Lord, just by seeing the beauty of the Lord, Dhruva Maharaj, as a five-year-old boy, so imagine a five-year-old boy does austerity, he meets the Lord, and uh, he is overwhelmed by emotions that he wants to offer prayers, but it's an awkward situation that he's not able to. He is holding on to the feet of the Lord, he's kissing the feet of the Lord. So as a child is doing, his, the Lord is allowing that exchange to happen and later touches Dhruva his head with his tongue. And that's when he starts to offer uh, prayers. So here again we see, um, after doing such a big austerity and offering prayers and then the Lord blesses. Of course, during the course of the prayers itself, Guru Maharaj expresses his regret for asking such a favor from the Lord. I was looking for broken pieces of glasses. Um, but I found the biggest gem, the jewel, the diamond. Swamin Krithavartasmi Param Ayache. Yeah, of course. So he will say that um, he will, his intention to get the kingdom and all of that got purified by meeting the Lord, by seeing his beauty. And now he says, I don't want anything else, I am satisfied. <coughs> And that's the same thing which the demigods, when they themselves pray, when they offer prayers and when they glorify Bharatvasha, they will say that the Lord will purify the desires, sorry, the Lord will fulfill the desires of the devotee. But He will fulfill in such a way that the devotee will not ask for it again. Such is the special mercy of the Lord. Now, the demigods here have attained that position 
and they are sitting in that uh, highest, higher platform than the material world because they have done a lot of austerities in the material world by following the Vedic rituals. And that's how they got a specific body by offering all the oblations. They get a specific body to go to the uh, heavenly planet. And Lord, in Krishna, in the Bhagavad Gita, he encourages them to worship initially. So, Parasparam Bhavayanta. So, whatever you gain, offer to the demigods, have a cooperation between the demigods and you, and then live peacefully. So, demigod worship is encouraged in the initial section, but later on, as the Lord is now mildly chastising the demigods for what they are asking for, in Bhagavad Gita also the Lord will give some higher understanding. Later he says something different. What does he mention about demigod worshippers? How does the Krishna describe them? Avidhi Puroka, which means it's indirect worship and they are less intelligent. So they are less intelligent. So initially he is encouraging, later he is saying they are uh, less intelligent. Now several questions can be raised. Technically, Krishna also says those who worship the demigods, they worship me, but they do so indirectly. So, worship of Krishna, either directly or indirectly, is supposed to elevate a person, right? So, then the answer is given in the prayers of Akrura, uh, the commentary of Krishna Chakravita where this dialogue is going on and this theme of demigod worship is brought up. And in the usual style, Acharya, he poses a question, he answers, he poses a question and answers. So, let us see that section of Akrura's prayers. I offer my obeisances to you, who, as the supreme soul of all beings, witness everyone's consciousness with an unbiased vision. The current of your material modes produced by the force of ignorance flows strongly among the living beings who assume identities as demigods, humans, and animals. So the point to understand from here is the body of the demigods, humans, and the animals have is a mix of the material modes. Um, so that's why it's said by the force of ignorance. Now the other point to note is that the Lord is having an unbiased vision as a super soul. Now the explanation goes like this. Um, because you are having a detached vision and the demigod worshippers are paying respects to you and it is a worship to you only. So whoever worships you, Lord Krishna kind of in a challenging way asks, um, if I am accepting their worship, I must be attached to them, right? They are worshipping me indirectly, but because it's coming to me and I must be attached to them. But the Acharya says, no, you have an unbiased vision. You see them from a neutral point of view. Though you accept their worship, because you are the inner Paramatma as a controller, you have an unbiased vision and you are not dependent on their worship. 
You are not at all dependent on that worship. So the Lord is not dependent on the worship, whether you worship Him directly or through the demigods. Whereas demigods are dependent on the worship. So since you do not, since they do not worship you directly, how can you be attached to them? You are a witness dwelling in their heart and in a neutral position you accept the worship but you are not attached to those who are worshipping uh, you indirectly through the demigod worship. Then the Lord asks, okay, so who is going to deliver these demigod worshippers? So the demigods will worship, uh, will deliver them, right? Is that the case? No. That's what I say. The body of the demigods, humans, animals, they are also under the subject of the modes. Then how can a person who has a body which is made of the modes deliver other person whose body is also in the mode of, uh, is a mix of the modes? So they cannot deliver you. So they, the demigod worshippers cannot deliver their worshippers out of the cycle of birth and death. Because their body themselves is made of the three gunas. Then the analogy is given as that of how the worship of the demigod worshippers reaches the Lord but the worshipper does not reach the Lord. So the analogy is given as that of a cloud pouring water in a hilly area. So the water from the cloud reaches the top of the hill, then it flows down in the river it merges into the river, then the river enters the ocean. But the mountain does not reach the ocean. In the same way, the worship done by the demigods reaches you, but the worshippers of demigods don't reach you. Krishna clearly says those who uh, worship the demigods, go to their lands. Those who worship the Pitras, they go to the Pitras. Like, so here the Acharya gives the um, analogy and explains how the worship reaches the Lord, but the worshipper does not reach the Lord, nor can the demigods <coughs> themselves can uh, deliver their worshippers out of the cycle of birth and death. It has to, they have to elevate themselves to the worship of the Supreme God. In terms of understanding the mood of Akrura and then how he prays uh, to the Lord, we can learn some lessons. So later on, Akrura submits himself to the Lord and admits that my intelligence is so crippled that I cannot find the strength to curb my mind, which is disturbed by material desires and activities and constantly dragged here and there by my obstinate senses. So, at least I felt I can relate to this where I can't control my senses, my mind, it's dragging me into different directions. So, here uh, I felt, as by my understanding, it is Akrura submitting himself in, the, in a very humble mood and it's like uh, fitting the criteria of the Dhanya Bodhika prayers where one feels very ashamed to stand in front of the Lord 
ask for favor. I have so much of sins that I can't even stand in front of you and ask for a favor. So such humble mood is conducive for um, devotion. Then the next verse, 10, 40, 28, is where the uh, word Durapam is used. And um, I'll read the prayer and then we'll try to understand the mood of that prayer. So here we can find that the same word Durapam is used and then fixing the mind is also being mentioned here, which is another aspect I wanted to touch upon. Yes. Being thus fallen, after stating his fallen position, Akrura prays, being thus fallen, I am approaching your lotus feet for shelter, O Lord, because although the impure can never attain your feet, I think it is nevertheless possible by your mercy. So here is the mood of the devotee, how he considers himself to be very impure, but nevertheless he has hope. He is having hope against hope. And then next, Akura makes a very strong point. <clears throat> only when one's material life has ceased, only when one's material life has ceased, O Lotus Naval Lord, can one develop consciousness of you by serving your pure devotees. So cessation, apavarga of samsmarana, of this rotation, of this, in this material existence, only by your mercy. Anugraha. So, eagerly awaiting for the Lord to bestow His mercy, putting forward His fallen position. And then, despite being in a hopeless situation, still having a hope, because the Lord is merciful. And when can one have that hope is when one's material life has ceased. And that's what is happening to demigods here. They're pushed to the brink where they are about to lose everything, there's no hope, they come back to their senses and they are offering heartfelt prayers to the Lord and the Lord has appeared. After that, they are asking for the uh, killing of the Trasura, which is like going to a millionaire and asking for a few thousand dollars. You, you, you have taken the pain, got his appointment, and he is standing in front of he can give you anything you want, but what? You still preoccupied? No, no, I want my thousand dollars. Can you give me that? Well, I can give you more than that. So, the Lord here is 
expressing that regret um, and how the uh, mindset of the demigods is still at this stage they are still going through the purification stop is still not at the highest platform yet so coming back to this uh, prayer in the in the um, purport it is described how uh, akrura is feeling so low about himself and is admitting this is all true and i am surrendering to you please have mercy and he is asking for um lord's mercy and he is indicating a very strong point that i can develop this consciousness by serving your your devotee sat of pure devotees upasanaya by worship so um so here uh, again there is a dialogue on oh, lotus navel lord i will concentrate on you when i get the opportunity to serve your devotees then the lord asks so when will that come then the devotee replies when the material energy ceases to act the lord again asks when will that happen when i get the mercy of the devotees so here the sequence is described um get the lord's mercy first step then next step is material influence is destroyed the next step is you get the service of the devotees then you can concentrate undeviatedly on the feet of the lord so here is where we can understand the progression of bhakti um by some agyata sukriti you you um, help the sadhus who come to your place ask for some donation or you protect them or you feed them or you give them opportunities to carry on with their service then from their heart the faith is transferred when the agyata sukriti builds and builds and builds over a period of time it matures into faith and this faith progress comes from the mode of uh, goodness in a material world there is always a competition of the modes but when the goodness is prominent and when the circumstance is favorable when the sadhus come to your doorstep and their devotees are vishnu and then you continuously help them and over a period the sukriti builds and the faith is born after this to sustain this faith and the interest that you have got in reading scriptures and all of that from the sadhus you will actively seek devotee association that is the next step where you are actively seeking sadhu sangha the first one is you unknowingly you have done some uh, benefit to the sadhus now you are actively seeking sadhu sangha i want to be with them i want to hear them i want to be in their company so over a period this association rubs off and again against you and then you start losing your taste in material things and you are starting to develop faith and 
you are starting to get that higher taste slowly. So among the sadhus, you um, take siksha from, then you are convinced that I must surrender to a particular sadhu. Of course, in our institution, we are introduced to Shila Prabhupada first through his books, teaching we surrender to him, and from the, his disciples, then the Bhajana Kriya begins, where you take him, uh, you have surrendered to a devotee of the Lord, and from then on, the process begins. So what's the difference is that you have the support of the entire Guru Parampara, and you have like, um, like a coach who can tell you what is good, what is bad, and specific to your particular situation. Then, we are still in the material modes, the struggle actually begins. Just like we have this temple wall, and then once we start going to the nook and corner of the, every corner of the temple, we find or we may find some dirt. Otherwise, superficially it all looks clean. So similarly, the process of going much deeper, the struggle with the most, the anathanivati starts. But the faith is building up, but here is where the faith may also get shaken during this period of going through the struggle. As we saw earlier, one has to continue with uh, determination and uh, patience. So the struggle of Radha Guna, Tama Guna and the goodness keeps happening. So Anathanivati will have this Anishtabhadan, unsteady devotional service. Once you are able to conquer the uh, gross anathas by the mercy of the Lord and by the mercy of the Guru, when the subtle anathas are there but they are not disturbing you very much and when you are able to reach the mode of goodness where you are consistent, Skartavya Bhuti is there where you are consistent showing up and doing devotional service, whether I have taste or I don't have taste, I will do it. And you are not disturbed as much as you are in the anathanivati. So that's when in Nishta you are in the mode of goodness, your faith increases further, you are taking further sadhu sangha, subtle anathas you are working on and that is also slowly getting um, removed. So then you are getting, uh, because you are doing devotional service, without taste, despite the fact you're doing, you're showing sincerity, you come to the mode of goodness, the Lord inserts the taste in your practice. So, uh, you get a taste in the different devotional practices that you're doing. The angas of bhakti, you get a taste. So that's the ruchi state, where uh, your faith is increasing, your taste is increasing now, Rather than thinking it's my duty, I have to do it, it will please Guru and Krishna. In the Ruchi state is where you, I like to do it because I am experiencing the taste. So that drives, that inspires you. Now you are attached to the Angas of Bhakti. Later, as you progress, you get more Sadhu Sangha, you get, your faith increases. You become attached to the Lord as a person with all those qualities, with all those uh, auspicious qualities you are starting to appreciate 
from the angas of bhakti, the attachment uh, moves to the Lord Himself as a person with all those gunas. And that's when you clearly understand the name is not different from the Lord. So that's why Krishna is my asaktavan partha. Mind attached to me. So from here, he is slowly getting out of the material modes to the mode of goodness, and then you're starting to get taste, you're getting attached to the a Lord as a person. Then the transition happens when you're getting spiritual emotions and you're moving from under the control of the three modes in the material world, you're moving to the realm of being controlled by uh, the spiritual emotions. And it's clearly described as uh, Suddha Sattva. So that transition happens. So up to um, Asakti, you're still struggling with the modes, but you come out, Nishta, you're in goodness, and from then on you're stepping stone to pure goodness. So when it comes to ecstasy, that's when you enter the realm of uh, Suddha Sattva. And this Suddha Sattva is made up of the Lord's internal potency. Uh, specifically the Samvit and Hiladini potency, um, where the devotee experiences spiritual emotions. Just as the material modes give you emotions, goodness gives you happiness, satisfaction, passion gives you emotion of um, unlimited desires, anchoring, ignorance, the emotion is not to do anything, just um, feel satisfied with not doing anything, moroseness, laziness, they are the emotions. Similarly, when you enter into the spiritual realm, um, the sound <coughs> they also give emotions and they are all fully spiritual emotions. So you enter into that realm and you um, are able to relish those spiritual emotions and then you get that taste. So the primary characteristic of a person in spiritual ecstasy is that he is under the Suddha Sattva. Um, then he, uh, his heart is starting to melt because he is getting this taste from the spiritual emotions that is being bestowed through the Lord's internal potency. It is said that the, the existential potency which is governed by Lord Baladev himself. So that existence and then on top of that you have uh, knowledge potency and the pleasure potency. So the devotee's heart becomes a place where the Lord's Sutta Sattva descends. Then as it descends, um, you became aware of your spiritual, spiritual position, you became aware of Krishna because that's the characteristic of the knowledge, the Samhita potency. It tells who you are, who Krishna is, what's your service, how to interact with him. And when you actively engage in the service, then you experience happiness, superior happiness. That's from the Hladini potency, which is governed by Nathana and So, 
here the Lord is bestowing the spiritual ecstasy and the emotions and all of that through his various energies and the devotee's heart is starting to melt. So as this intensifies further and further, what happens is the uh, devotee's heart is completely melted and that's when he is able to actively control the Lord. So that's the difference between attaining love of God is where you are actively controlling the Lord through this relationship and through these uh, emotions and through these loving exchanges. So here we can see exalted devotees going through this transformation. And Akrura in his prayer is describing how you get the mercy, then you are coming out of material influence, you serve the devotees and then you are able to fully concentrate on the uh, feet of the Lord. Now, one of the key points that came up from Akrura's praise is that once material life has ceased, then one can develop consciousness of calling out the Lord in a helpless situation. So here, the uh, demigods are in that position and they are being chastised mildly for asking for these kind of material benefits. Now, when the Lord is meeting such in, uh, mixed devotees, He is giving advice about how they must do pure devotion and how, must, how they should not ask for material favors. Now the same Lord, when He is bestowing mercy upon pure devotees, He turns around and He does the opposite. In case of Prahlad Maharaj, the same Lord, he listens to Narsimha listens to all the prayers of Prahlad Maharaj. And what does he do? He tempts Prahlad Maharaj. Bhadram, all benedictions unto you. I am very pleased. Ask for any material benediction. Come on, Prahlad, go for it. He just got pacified by the prayers. Prayers also, Prahlad Maharaj goes through various emotions. He takes the role of uh, struggling Saraka, but he also expresses his exalted position. How, why he is behaving like this? Because he has to set an example of a pure devotee. But the Lord tempts Prahlad Maharaj by giving him some uh, incentive to ask. So we'll read from that section. 7.9 Thus Lord Nasimhdev was pacified by the devotee Prahlad Maharaj with prayers offered from the transcendental platform. The Lord gave up his anger and being very kind to Prahlad who was often prostrated obeisances, he spoke as follows. The Supreme Personality of Godhead said, My dear Prahlad, most gentle one, Best of the family of the Asuras, all good fortune unto you. I am very much pleased with you. Then he tells, It is my pastime to fulfill the desires of all living beings, and therefore you may ask from me any benediction 
that you desire to be fulfilled. Here, instead of um, giving pure devotion, the Lord is in a, in a way just to bring out the purity of Prahlad Maharaj. Just as a diamond, when you polish more, it becomes more and more um, bright. Um, the mere fact that the Lord appeared from a pillar to save his devotees, that itself brings out the glory of Prahlad Maharaj. And the praise of Prahlad Maharaj is of you know, a whole different level. Now, to take it a step further, Lord is giving the incentive to ask. So, he is giving benedictions. <clears throat> My dear Prahlad, may you live a long time. One cannot appreciate or understand me without pleasing me, but one who has seen or pleased me has nothing more for which to lament for his own satisfaction. The same point. Well, one can achieve anything if he pleases the Lord. <coughs> so then the Lord goes on to describe that he is a fulfiller of all desires um, and the Lord also indicates that the highly elevated people try to please me in the different modes of mellows. So he is indicating about the various loving exchanges with his devotees and in that purport Prabhupada talks about the uh, different rasas, Sakya, Vatsalya, then uh, Madhurya. Since our main business is to love the Supreme Personality of Godhead, one can render service from any of the above mentioned platforms of love. So in that uh, section, as we continue to read, the next chapter begins, uh, 7.10, where Palad Maharaj's exalted character is being brought out. Palad Maharaj doesn't pull out uh, a list um, and then ask. So Palad Maharaj admits this fallen position and then he says, My dear Lord, O Supreme Personality of Godhead, because I was born in an atheistic family, I am naturally attached to material enjoyment. Therefore, kindly do not tempt me with these illusions. I am very much afraid of material condition and I desire to be liberated from materialistic life. It is for this reason that I have taken shelter at your lotus feet. Then Prahlad Maharaj goes on to describe how the seed of lusty desires, that's the cause of, um, of one's suffering. And here he says, you have sent me to this material world to exhibit the symptoms of a pure devotee. And therefore I am praying to you that if at all you want to give me any benediction, uh, the benediction that I am asking for is you remove these material desires from the core of my heart. So Prahlad also brings up this point about how a person who is asking some, something in return uh, is treating the Lord like a merchant. He is not at the pure platform. And one who gives such material benedictions to maintain his prestigious position, he is also not a 
pure master. I am satisfied, my Lord, I am your unmotivated servant and you are my eternal master. There is no need for our being anything other than the master and servant. And then he says this verse, 7107 Oh my Lord, who uh, best of the giver of benediction, Varadarshapa. If at all you want to bestow a desirable benediction upon me, then I pray for your Lordship that within the core of my heart there be no material desires. In that purport, Prabhupada talks about Nadana, Najana, Nasundarim, Kavitamba, Jagatisha, Kamaya. So, in that section, Nasim uh, Dev will say that you enjoy this material opulence. Bhogena Punyam Kushalena Fapa. By enjoying the um, the opulences, you will get rid of your punya, and by tolerating the difficulties, you will get over your inauspicious results. And then he will offer all the wealth, uh, opulence, all of that to Prahlad So in that section, um, Prabhupada actually distinguishes the wealth which the Lord bestows upon the devotee and the wealth which takes one away from the Lord. Because earlier we established that one who has lost everything, only they can call out to the Lord with feelings. But we also see in Bhagavatam, exalted devotees like who have opulence, who are still attached to the Lord, like Guru Maharaj, Ambarish Maharaj, Kirtulag Maharaj, Yudhishthir Maharaj. Now, they have wealth, but that wealth is not taking them away from the Lord. So, in the purport it is described that when one is allured by material possessions, they are considered to be given by Maya. When one is allured by material possessions, they are considered to be given by Maya. But when one uses material possessions fully for service, they are considered God's gifts or facilities offered by Krishna for enhancing one's devotional service. This is 7.10.1 and later 7.10.4 Prabhupada writes in the purport. When a pure devotee receives material opulences, this is not because of his pious activity, but for the service of the Lord. So there he quotes Yoga Kshenu Bahamiyam. Because earlier we uh, contrasted the worshippers of demigods. When they get their uh, benediction from the demigods, it may take them away from the Lord. It's a product of three modes um, and they are reaping the benefit of their pious activities. Then, when we see devotees becoming prosperous, rich, we shouldn't think that it is because of their pious activity. It is the Lord giving such opulence so that it can be used in His service. So that's why the, the concept of Yukta um, Vairagya is there, where they are able to properly utilize. Everything in the Lord's service.
we also touched upon the theme of the mercy of the Lord and one of the way of obtaining the mercy of the Lord is through offering prayers with the mind fixed on the Lord, his pastimes and his activities. And here in this verse, a lot of mention is there's a lot of mention about my ekanta mandir. Desiring nothing other than the Lord, all that the Lord is encouraging. One such devotee who became successful despite the fact that throughout his life he was busy administering, protecting, fighting, counseling, mentoring. Throughout, by the end of his life, he even fought against the Lord himself. But at the end of the life, he, having done all his duties, he was so glorious that the Lord came to see him when he was leaving this world. You all know who I am talking about. This Bhishnavid. So we will see a few sections from his prayer about how mind uh, attached to the Lord and the uh, devotional ecstasy and all that he is going through. We will also see a few sections from one prayer from the Jendra. <coughs> so, the scene is in the battlefield where Bhishma was just pacified with Maharaj and as, as I said, throughout his life he is doing various activities and even at the deathbed on the sitting of arrows he is given the service of uh, giving his knowledge to Yudhishthira Maharaj and consoling him. So, then he withdraws all of his attention from the outside and then he starts to offer prayers to the Lord. Um, where he is saying, let me now invest my thinking, feeling and willing which are so long engaged in different subjects and occupational duties. Let me withdraw from all of that and let me focus on the all-powerful Lord Krishna. Vishmadeva describes the Lord. He is always self-satisfied but sometimes being the leader of the devotees, he enjoys transcendental pleasure by descending to the material world. So, very specific to those prayers which talk about the mind. Uh, let my mind go to Krishna. What, what form of Krishna? That form of Krishna who steps down from, I mean the chariot is already broken, so that form of Krishna who picks up the wheel and runs charging towards me with his body perspiring and with some wounds and blood oozing out, he doesn't even care about his upper garment, he runs towards Krishna charging that today I'll kill you. I am breaking my promise, doesn't matter, but my devotee has to be protected. So that Bhaktasaradi form, I let my mind go into that. Yuditurada Rajo Vidhumra Vishvaka Kachalulita Shramavari Alankrita Se Mamanishita Shadev Vidhi Bhyamana 
Let my mind thus go unto Sri Krishna, who on the battlefield attended Arjuna out of friendship. His hair is flowing and his body is turned ashen due to the dust raised by the hoofs of the horses. Because of his labor, sweat is coming and it is wetting his face. There are decorations intensified by the wounds dealt by my sharp arrows, and he enjoyed it. And let my mind be focused on that Krishna. Then he talks about this attraction, Rati, which we talked earlier. And Arjuna was seemingly polluted by ignorance upon observing the soldiers and commanders before him on the battlefield. The Lord eradicated his ignorance by delivering transcendental knowledge. May his lotus feet always remind the object of my attraction. Here is where Vishwada uh, uses the word Rati. <coughs> attraction. Charana Rati Paramasya Mestu. So these are the examples about what the Lord is trying to give, um, how to pray and how to uh, focus one's attention exclusively on the Lord in the same way as in a precarious life-threatening situation, Vajendra did that same thing. He uh, withdrew all uh, his external consciousness and then he focused on the Lord and offered prayers and when the Lord appeared, at the distance he was able to see Gajendra was seeing Garuda and the Lord. So then he picks up the lotus flower, despite the fact that he is bleeding, the crocodile is just uh, crushing his leg. He, out of pain, despite that, he offers that flower to the Lord. When the Lord comes to res- rescue Gajendra, he comes with the demigods. And in front of their eyes, the demigods are seeing what the Lord is doing. He is rescuing his devotee, is giving him the same liberation as that of the four-handed form. Here the Lord is also teaching the demigods through his actions. That's per my understanding. He is teaching them through words, he is teaching them through action. This is what will happen if you offer exclusive prayers to me, even in a dangerous situation. Because in the uh, Bhagavatam or Mahabharata, we don't find the Pandavas offering a separate set of prayers to kill Bhishma, another set of prayers to kill Drona, another set of prayers to kill uh, Karna. No. Because the Lord is always protecting. And Bhishma Dev says, it is this person who is you are treating as your messenger, as your friend. He is Adyo Narayana. Is the origin of Narayana. <coughs> so here, the Lord, by showing in the Gajendra's passing, the demigods are also accompanying him. He's showing that I'm offering Sarupi Mukti to my uh, devotee. And here is how the Lord is teaching by his words by and also by his actions. And what we learn from all of this is we must be careful what we pray for, what we ask the Lord for. 
because demigods initially did all the ritual sacrifices, now they are in that position. They asked for it, they got it, but they are not happy. So we should be uh, um, cautious what we are asking for. When we are looking at the wealth of devotees, we shouldn't think that they are in Maya. This wealth is given to them by the Lord Himself for engaging in devotional service. So this clarifies our vision and helps us have better relationship with devotees who are popular. From Vishnu Dev we can understand that while we are in this world, we do our material duties, we also have our inner life, we cultivate that. At the end of life, we stop everything else and focus the mind on the Lord. Another lesson to learn is we also pray to the devotees of the Lord. As Akura was saying, um, this prayer about um, praying to the Goswamis, Jaha, Vite, Vignanash, Abhishtha, Purana. Prayer to the six Goswamis removes obstacles in your spiritual life and fulfills your spiritual desires. Jaha, Vite, Vignanash, your, your spiritual desires also become purified. So this is how we see what to pray for, what is the mood um, and what we should not uh, pray for to the Lord. So although I am not in that exalted position, I try my best to um, put together and to serve this community. I thank all the devotees who have been a great support um, in doing this service. Let's seek their blessings. <coughs> we'll end here. Thank you. Any questions on what we discussed? There are no questions. We'll conclude here. Vandrasimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai. Jai. Jai.